Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star, and I am grateful for you listening to the 29th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. The goal, as always, to be worth your time. This week we'll do it with a lot of Le'Veon Bell. He's the news of the last week, or really the last two weeks, and I'm going to tell you what the Chiefs want from him and what he wants from the Chiefs. The partnership really does have the potential to serve both sides well. We also have another great bunch of questions that hit on Andy Reid's prime, Mizzou football, and the SEC and Big 12, and the weirdness of writing about sports right now. Again, huge thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe and give us a rating and review to help us get the word out. Working hard to present information and perspectives that you can't get in other places. The Star is running a special promotion for the Sports Pass right now. A dollar a month for three months for all our sports coverage, including more original Chiefs content than you can find anywhere else. You can find that on our website or just reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email and I'll send you the link. Okay, the the Chiefs don't often sign a two-time All-Pro mid-season, right? So when they do, it's worth focusing the show on. Uh, We're going to essentially do this in two parts. Here at the top, we're going to talk about what the Chiefs expect from him. And then later in the third section, we'll hit on what Bell expects from the Chiefs. You know, Le'Veon Bell is a star. He's a brand name. His last year in Pittsburgh, he ran for nearly 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns and still had time to catch 85 passes. That is basically Kareem Hunt's rookie season, except with 30 more catches. It's it's incredible. Uh, But we have to assume he's not that guy anymore, right? We have to assume the Steelers, one of the best run organizations in the league, had reason to not give him the contract he wanted. The Jets are basically an unmitigated disaster. Their their offensive line stinks. Adam Gase appears in way over his head. The whole thing is just awful. Uh, Good players keep leaving. Uh, So I'm not willing to put all of Bell's struggles the last two seasons on him, but it still says 3.3 yards a carry in his time there, right? And he's still had nearly 1,900 touches in his career, which is a lot, you guys. That, that is already more than guys like Brian Westbrook, Terrell Davis, Ray Rice, Jamal Charles. Le'Veon Bell, he had 750 more in college, and that's in the Big Ten. Those are rough carries. Um, you know, he, he's 28 years old, and that's not old, but there's a lot of wear on those tires. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts, um, and I think it's fair to ask what should be expected. You know, you can look at this and convince yourself that Bell is going to rejuvenate his career here and be closer to the guy from Pittsburgh. You could also look at this and convince yourself that he's done because running backs don't last long, and it's been four years since he's averaged more than four yards of carry. Uh, but I'll tell you what the Chiefs are expecting. They are expecting basically what they expected from Damian Williams before Williams opted out. This team expects to play 19 games, maybe 20, right? Uh, With the last three or four, the most important. And that is 13 or 14 more games. This is basically like an entire college season, right? Starting now, after Edwards Hilaire has already had 128 touches. Uh, running backs wear down. That's what they do. You know, that is a brutal position to play. And that's why they signed LaShawn McCoy last year to pair with Williams. It's why they drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be the lead back and the more dynamic playmaker in a partnership with Williams this year. And then after Williams opted out, it's why they pursued Adrian Peterson when he was available. So, you know, guys, nobody's really talked about this much for whatever reason, but Edwards Hilaire is fourth in the league in touches. Fourth in the league as a rookie. Uh, The guys ahead of him, it's Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott, and Derrick Henry. That's the entire list. That is unsustainable. Um, You know, the the Chiefs want Edwards Hilaire's best to be in January and hopefully February. Um, And they're not going to get it if he's just 
beat to hell and carrying, you know, like a high ankle sprain or something. Le'Veon Bell then, he's sort of like this high profile protection against overusing Edwards Hilaire. Um, that he's such a good fit for this offense is a huge plus. I mean, he is a great receiver, reliable in pass protection, smart, all those things. That is a huge plus. But the key here is protecting Edwards Hilaire. He's their guy. You know, and that's what the Chiefs are looking for here. It's not a new lead back, no matter what you might hear in other places. Um, he also becomes a sort of like accidental example of a trend we've already seen so often these last few years where, you know, the front office's aggressiveness sort of marries with good luck, right? Like last year it was Wisniewski and Pinnell and Suggs. Now it's a talented and just like overqualified backup running back who just fell directly into their lap because Adam Gase is bad at his job and Andy Reid is so good at his. Um, it really is a heck of a thing when you think about it. Okay, um, before we move on to the rest of the show, uh, this podcast is now free, but that does not mean I'm not going to ask you one more time to join us behind the paywall. We work hard to bring you information and perspectives you can't get in other places. Uh, we have the most journalists working the Chiefs beat, the most combined experience around the team, the most perspectives. Please help us by giving the Sports Pass a try. Again, you can join for a dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. Um, you can find those links online or reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email and I'll send them along. Okay, quick break and then we'll get back with some questions. Um, if you'd like to participate in next week's show, um, that'll post on Friday after the Broncos game and before the uh, the Bell Gase blood war in the Jets game. Uh, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Uh, put the number in your phone, call anytime, 816-234-4365. All right, a quick break, and then we are back with those questions. Hey, Sam, it's Alex from Kansas City. We have to stop meeting each other like this. Uh, I had a question about Andy Reid and if, like players, coaches have prime years, are we seeing Andy Reid, would you call it his second prime or his third prime? Would you say his second prime was when he had Michael Vick on the Eagles and now we're seeing his third prime? And if coaches do have prime years, how many more years of prime Andy Reid do we have left before he turns into uh, the Harbaugh, the, the brother out of Michigan? I never remember Jim or John. One of those two. Thanks. Bye. This is an interesting question, and I've never really thought about it this way, you know, like prime years for coaches. Um, that's, uh, that's interesting. The analogy isn't perfect, right? Um, you know, athletes' primes happen when they've been at it long enough to build their brains, but not so long that their bodies are beat up. Uh, I suppose the coach equivalent to that would be like, you know, long enough to build their brains, but not so long that their brains fatigue. But you know, one of the things that strikes me, you know, just being around Andy and, and others who know him well, is like he doesn't seem to have that fatigue like ever and you know maybe i'm speaking out of turn here um obviously i wasn't around him in philadelphia but the the problem there seemed to be that andy took on too much responsibility and personnel like he was trying to do the you know the coach's job and the gm's job and that meant that he wasn't doing either particularly well um the thing blew up and i'm not discounting the idea of a fresh start in kansas city um, i do think that's a real thing that he benefited from but i don't think he sort of like forgot how to coach or whatever you know the the gist of your question is important though like it's basically you know how long can he keep this up uh he's 62 years old football is a brutal sport physically obviously but you know the mental grind wears on people too and nobody wears that more than the head coach you know my perception on this like i would give you a totally different answer 
if Mahomes was not the quarterback. Like, if, if the Chiefs just had, like, a normal human quarterback, even if he was really, really good, I think my answer to you might be a little bit different. But, like, from that first meeting that Andy had with Mahomes, when Andy gives Veach, like, the giddy thumbs up, um, like Reed has been like lifted emotionally and with energy with this partnership. And I, I don't say that lightly either. Cause I think Reed has always loved his job. He's loved the sport. He's loved the people that he can work with. But I, I just believe that Reed like spent a lifetime working in football coaching and didn't really know it, but I think he's been waiting that whole time for a quarterback like this, you know, someone who could make reality what Reed has been dreaming up in his head, like for decades, like somebody with the, you know, the arm talent, right? But, you know, also the mobility to erase mistakes, the brain power to transfer that game plan to the field. Um, I, I just think this is what Andy Reid has wanted his entire life. And I, I don't know how long Reid would have wanted to coach under normal circumstances. My sense is that he may have felt the same way, that he'd want to do it as long as he physically could. Um, you know, he's got a great support system that way, you know, starting with his wife, Tam, and you cannot underestimate that. There, there's a lot of coaches that, you know, feel the wear and, and they, they know the, the stress that it puts on families. But um, Andy has a really strong support system in that way. You know, but now like with this quarterback, like I'd be shocked if he walked away before he had to. And if you look around the league at some older coaches, you can see Andy perhaps, you know, another seven, eight, nine years or so. That is an eternity in the NFL. You know, it really is a hell of a thing to have like that group of the, the, the quarterback, the head coach and the GM are all signed here for six more years at least. And, you know, the assumption would be you'd have to assume that they all want it to be even longer. OK, let's do a little college football. Hey, Sam, it's Brian from Chicago. I know you've talked about it in the past, but I think we need to revisit realignment. After some time, and while it made sense financially at the time, isn't it time for Nebraska and Mizzou to come home? Nebraska is openly despised in the Big Ten, winning nothing. And the Big and Mizzou is routinely punched on and beat up in the SEC. Shouldn't each fan base of the Big 12 in an act of ultimate unity, start a campaign to ask both programs to come home. After all, wouldn't both fan bases be better served in the Big 12, where if they're going to go 7-6, and six, they can at least enjoy watching their team play historic rivals? Thanks. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Brian is a Mizzou fan, and he actually sent this in before the win over LSU. But, um, you know, intentionally or not, he is pandering to me enough that we're going to answer this now. I have some pretty settled and maybe in some ways contradicting stances on this. Um, you know, like first, like absolutely 100%, I want the Big 12 to be back. And actually, like maybe I'm showing my age here, but I want the Big 8 to be back. Um, you know, that's what I grew up on. And that's what made me love college sports. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I don't really care one way or the other about Colorado. But you can't pretend the Big 12 isn't a lesser league with, you know, TCU and West Virginia instead of Nebraska and Mizzou. Um, you know, people talk about culture sometimes when this comes up. Um, but what I mean more is like the history and you can't get that history back like it is gone forever. And I would also argue on Brian's side here that, that Nebraska and Missouri would be better off in the Big 12. Like N Nebraska seems to hate the Big 10, actually, and that feeling sure seems to be mutual. Uh, Missouri's happy enough in the SEC, from what I can tell. But, you know, I'd argue they're not as important in that league as they were to the Big 12. And, you know, here, here's like the I, I told you I was going to get maybe a little bit contradictory. And, and, and here it is. Like, I absolutely do not cannot blame 
either of those schools for bailing. Um, it's a little strange to me that Mizzou is often is the one painted as the school that broke the league up when, you know, really Nebraska moved first and Oklahoma essentially sent everyone into a, you know, sort of protect your neck sort of panic, right? But whatever, like the, the Big 12 was a mess. There was, you know, no cohesion. There still isn't. Uh, no togetherness still isn't. No commitment from the schools that mattered to keep the thing together. And that goes in and out. But like what sane person could blame Nebraska or Mizzou or Colorado or A&M for joining a stronger conference, you know, for making bigger money in most instances. And, you know, now this might not be or this might be my personal bias here. Um, so you can feel free to ignore it. But I would argue that those schools have a better chance at athletic and even like financial success in the Big 12 because, you know, maybe you're getting bigger annual checks in the SEC, but so is everyone you're competing with. And, you know, in most cases, they aren't having to stretch themselves financially in the same way. You know, there, there's this old belief among a lot of coaches that when you're climbing the ladder, you judge the quality of a job primarily by your ability to win that league. Because if you're winning or competing for league championships, you stay successful, you stay relevant, you stay desired. You know, that's why, like, I would argue that Tulsa or Wichita State um, is a much better job than Wake Forest. You got more money at Wake, you know, a bigger conference and all that, but you're fourth in your own state and you're further down in one of the best leagues in the country. So, you know, same logic applies here, at least that I'm using to apply here with realignment. Um, you know, the bottom line is like, as much as I'd love getting the old band back together, I also understand why it broke up. And, and I think that that's why it'll stay like that. So, or at least it'll stay like that until the NCAA itself disbands, right? And then we have like complete anarchy, but that's probably a question for another podcast. Hey, Sam, this is uh, Cody from Des Moines, originally from Weatherby Lake. What's up, Park Hill Trojans? Um, genuine question. Uh, you and I are kind of in the same business. I don't know if you remember me. Um, you met me at Starbucks once when I was a senior in high school, um, a really dumb senior in high school, and spent an hour answering a bunch of my journalism questions. And here I am now all these years later um, with another one. Um, what has been kind of the hardest part about covering the Chiefs this year without having the same usual access that you guys have. Like, you, and I know you've, you've touched on this a little bit in, in the minutes and probably on previous podcasts, just not having the same FaceTime. And, uh, you know, and I know you guys are doing everything on Zoom now, but I'm just genuinely curious, what, what has been maybe the hardest part about that for you personally or talking with, you know, other guys at the Star and other people that you've been working alongside? I'm just, I'm genuinely curious how um, you guys are kind of dealing with that. Um, and, you know, what have you kind of learned throughout that process? Um, this was kind of long and rambly, but I'd appreciate the time. Thanks. Cody, um, of course I remember you. Um, I remember that meeting. You were not a dumb high school kid. Uh, and I appreciate you keeping in touch, reaching out. You know, the hardest part, and look, like, before I get into that, let me point out what I, I hope this is obvious, but uh, I love my job, uh, love my life. I feel very fortunate in a million different ways. Um, you know, just... Personally, like we've had a few scares um, with COVID and everything that's going on. And, you know, like obviously like everyone else, um, we've had to adjust our lifestyles. But look, in, in the grand scheme of how people have been affected by this, like my family and I have been very, very lucky. I've been lucky with my family. I've been lucky professionally. So uh, nothing I'm about to say is meant as a complaint. It's just sort of my version of reality, right? So, okay. The hardest part is feeling like I'm not doing it enough. And I hope that doesn't sound like that, you know, that terrible, like Miss America answer about like my biggest flaw is that I'm a perfectionist. But what, what I mean is that I think those of us that work hard at this job and take pride in it, we want to know that we're giving you something extra. 
Um, and, you know, normally that means like the ability to go into the locker room and get to know players, coaches, whatever, have conversations away from TV cameras where it's just like you and the athlete. And when you get that, you not only you, you get different answers than you do in press conferences, you also get different insight. And, you know, after games, it's the same thing. And, you know, that's even amplified on the road because it's basically just the four or five of us from the star plus like Teicher and Nate. And, um, you know, you just you get more stuff done. And that's not the case anymore. Obviously, it's just it's Zoom calls. And, you know, that makes that top line goal like to give you something extra. It just makes it really difficult. And now. I can still lean on, you know, 10 years covering this team and, you know, like whatever insight that provides, um, the relationships in the locker room and other places in the organization built over that time. I could text with a few people um, and, and that helps, but it's just, you know, it's not the same. And, you know, there's other stuff too. Like I, I do feel like something is lost not being at games. The press box basically gives you like this live look at the all 22 film and that's a gold mine. I mean, that means you can see rotations, you can see receivers break free, a million other things that are lost on the broadcast. Um, you know, you, you see guys go to the tent or who they're talking to on the sideline, stuff like that, um, that can really inform the questions you ask, you know, who you ask them to and, and how you write. And there's just, there's no way to get around it, right? Like something's gonna be lost when, when that's gone. And I know we're all living different forms of that, of, of adapting and, you know, that's a challenge for all of us, no matter what we do for a living. Um, but the challenge then becomes like figure out ways to make up for that, right? Um, find new ways to move forward. You know, that's part of the reason for this podcast really. And, you know, I've tried to do it in some other ways too, you know, continue to expand my understanding of various metrics, spend even more time watching film, just look for different angles uh, that, that maybe wouldn't be as apparent, you know, sort of if we were doing this thing traditionally. You know, the, a journalism mentor of mine like once said something that really stuck with me. Um, all you can do is all you can do. That really hit me. Uh, I've remembered it ever since. This has been probably 20 years since I heard that line. It applies to personal stuff too. Really, I mean, like, honestly, like every part of your life, friendships, relationships, everything. Um, you know, all I can do is all I can do. All you can do is all you can do. Um, after that, you just, you hope it's enough. And that, um, you know, just in this context of me speaking professionally, I hope that it's enough for you to keep coming back, um, to trust that I'm working hard to help you enjoy or understand these teams and hopefully maintain and maybe even build some more credibility. So, um, okay, uh, really great round of questions. I, I, I love that we're, we seem to have some momentum with this now. It's, it really helps. I'm, it makes me think that you guys are enjoying this. And that's why we're doing this in the end. So thank you again. Uh, one more time with that number for next week's show, 816-234-4365. Uh, 816-234-4365. All right, uh, we talked at the jump about what the Chiefs want from Le'Veon Bell. And quick break here, and then we'll come back with what Le'Veon Bell wants from the Chiefs. Okay, so Le'Veon Bell could have gone anywhere and, you know, stuck with Adam Gase and, and what is now very clearly a fire sale of good players. He had every reason to go anywhere, right? Um, he could have gone to Buffalo. Um, he would have been the lead back on a rising playoff team. 
Uh, he could have gone to Miami, where he trains in the offseason, where he reportedly would have made at least a little bit more money, uh, not to mention no state income tax. Uh, he could have been the lead back there with great weather, and, you know, on another team moving in the right direction. He, he could have gone a lot of places. He came to Kansas City and, you know, obligatory opening press conference pandering notwithstanding, it wasn't was not for the barbecue. You know, Bell himself, like he said that this was an easy decision to come to Kansas City and like basically everyone else who joins the Chiefs, he talked a lot about Andy Reid. I actually thought his first time talking with reporters here the other day was enlightening. And I am not one who says that very often about group interviews, but I I thought he was really honest. Um, I thought he was open and, you know, even a little bit vulnerable if you listen to the right parts. So so how we're gonna do this, we're, we're gonna play four clips and they're quick clips. And after each one, I'm just going to repeat a few things that Le'Veon said for emphasis. And, you know, at the end of that, I'm going to make a point that I gathered from that interview, but that was probably also reinforced by talking to someone else on the inside there. So, okay, here's the first clip. You know, when I had the opportunity, um, you know, once I was you know, a free agent, um, you know, talking to Coach Reed, um, just over that course, it's like it was just kind of undeniable to come try to come here, help this team, um, you know, any ways that I can help them out, you know. Um, you know, being an opportunity to play with Coach Reed is just going to be, you know, magnificent for me. So, um, play with these players around, um, you know, uh, Patty Mahomes. Um, I never played with a player's, you know, MVP-wise, you know, so um, it's going to be fun. You know, I think it's a lot of weapons. It's going to be fun for me. He's heavy on Coach Reed here. Uh, he leads with Coach Reed. He comes back to Coach Reed. Um, he calls it undeniable to come here. Um, he also called the quarterback Patty Mahomes, which I just think is funny. So, okay, anyway, um, second clip. Obviously, when I when I decided to come here, I already knew you know the weapons and it's only one football to kind of go around. So, um, you know the time where I do get my opportunity, um, I think it's going to be a lot of opportunity um, to kind of show um, what I can do in some space, you know, running routes. Um, I think this offense is really fit for my you know my skill set. Um, I think Coach Reed um, does a good job of you know getting back to the ball in space, and um, I just, I'm glad I got this opportunity. I think what you hear in that, that's humility, right? Um, He is a branded superstar, and he is coming here not only knowing that he'll have less of a role than he's used to, but embracing that. Uh, We also learned the other day that he called Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to see if he was okay with Bell coming. That's a lot of maturity. That is a lot of humility. Okay, third clip. I mean, it's been a lot of excitement, you know, from, you know, the coaching staff to, you know, the players, fans, you know. Um, they really embraced me being here and I loved it. You know, I love everything about it. I really feel like, you know, everybody welcomed me here with open arms. Um, you know, and it's really a, a relief, you know, coming here. I don't really feel like pressured about anything. I just want to come here, you know, be happy and play football, you know, and people are allowing me to do that, you know, so I'm, I feel like I'm in a, in a great spot, great place. Um, and I'm eager. I'm ready to roll. The word choice here is really telling. Um, it's excitement, relief. Don't feel pressure. Just be happy and play football. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to it. Okay, fourth clip. You know, obviously just coming here and just, you know, getting on a great team, um, great coaching staff, you know, just kind of just reinvent myself. You know, I think uh, it's, I, I you know, played at a high level for so long. Um, you know, I've had like a, a year, uh, two years where, you know, it's not been a high level. You know, people kind of look at it like that. Um, so I just want to get back here and just get my feedback under me, get in a good offense, um, get, get the ball when I can, some space, not have too much pressure on me, um, you know, and just play football. You know, not really – you go out there and play football. That's what, really what I want to do. Um, I think coming here is going to give me the opportunity to do that. You know, it's, it's a lot of players. Um, I don't necessarily got to worry about 
you know, how many times I'm touching it or, or things like that. I think I just want to kind of fit in. And when I do get it, make plays, you know. Again, the word choice, um, reinvent myself, uh, get my feet back under me. He's talking about not having pressure on him, fit in. The picture becomes pretty clear, doesn't it? About what he sees here, about why he turned down a little more money or a lot more action. Um, you know, this guy has been through what was essentially a very well compensated professional hell with the Jets. And that came after he missed a full season on a contract dispute. His character has been questioned. His commitment to football has been questioned. His drive, his ability, everything. Um, that's a lot. That is a burden. Um, and I think it's fair to assume that at least part of that fed into the lack of production in New York. Um, you know, coming to Kansas City, for him, it means getting away from all that. So, you know, this section of the podcast, like we're, we're talking about what we, we talked earlier about what the Chiefs want from Le'Veon Bell, basically to keep Clyde Edwards Hilaire fresh. And this section is about what Le'Veon Bell wants from the Chiefs, because this was a two-way partnership. Um, so this is about why he's here. And I think he's here to get away from the last three or four years of business and pressure and outside forces ruining his football experience. I, I think he's here to join a coach who gets him. I think he's here to join teammates who just want to win. I think he's here to be in a system that highlights his talents instead of one that just bizarrely suppressed them. The simplest way to put it, uh, I think he's here to enjoy playing football again. There's just no way he didn't lose some of that in the last three or four years. And I think he wants to get that back. And, you know, perhaps most importantly, if he does, you know, then maybe that means he's an important part of another Super Bowl run, which would give him a heck of a platform to go into the free agent market again and pick a better long-term destination. And if that happens, if that's the way this ends up, then this will have been a big boost for both player and team. Okay, uh, that's the show this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope we're worth your time. And if I can impose, I hope we're worth subscribing to, rating, reviewing. It really helps us get the word out. And so thanks as always to Randy Mason and Savannah Smith for putting this together. Thanks to everyone who called in, even those we couldn't get to this week. And again, the biggest thanks to you for listening. Uh, let's do it again next week. Have a good weekend. Be kind. <laughs>